Okay, so today I am going to speak on something that is can be considered a quite a, a controversial topic. It is not something that the um, uh, the, uh, a lot of high churches believe in. Uh, they believe that the authority can come from different places. Um, but if we look at what is on the church wall, you can see that we have uh, it very clearly stated there that the Bible is our sole authority. And that is one of the core values of the church. The word of God has final say in matters of faith and practice. We conform our cultures to the scriptures, not scriptures to our cultures, uh, culture. Um, and let's move back a, a step. John uh, 6 verse 67 says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come, have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And in chapter 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We know from these verses and throughout the whole Bible that Jesus provides the way to eternal life and that nobody finds their way to God, to heaven, to eternal life, except through him, through Jesus. But today we're looking at an even bigger issue than this. In theological terms, it's called sola scriptura. That means that as Christians, the Bible should be our sole authority. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you guide me and that you speak through me. You speak through your words and uh, you are changing us, Lord, that we can apply your words, and not just know it as something intellectual or academic. It's something as more than head knowledge, Lord, that we uh, grow in our witness uh, for your glory. In Jesus name. Amen. So today we're kicking off the church year, I suppose in line with the American and British school years with our core values. I'm going to use a slightly abbreviated version of the 10 core values that you might find on our IB, the IBCBI uh, internet site. Yes, there is an internet site that we don't update that we need to update. Uh, but instead using seven that are on the panels that are hung on the church walls. You saw the one that one earlier. We've got this one. Uh, um, and this is something that I've frequently talked on. Uh, I always, you will always hear me say that reason why I, I chose IBCVI as a church was solely because of this. As you go to see uh, the church website, you'll see that um, it says uh, the, the biblical evangelism, biblical uh, worship, biblical, etc. So the Bible being our, the center of what we do. And so that's why I think it's important that we start with this. And I have spoken uh, yeah, specifically on this topic for the last couple of years, I think, because I, yeah, it is so important and so dear to my heart. But before you switch off, because, because this is something I've talked about so frequently and I've referred to uh, 
2 Timothy 3.16. So frequently, I have to apologize because in previous years, I haven't fully understood uh, this topic, or rather, I haven't gone far enough. It's not that I haven't understood it. It's that I haven't far, gone far enough. Now, let me explain. I opened with uh, two verses that tell us that Jesus is the way to eternal life. His death and resurrection, substitutionary sacrifice, and intercessory place in heaven is the only way that not only can we restore our relationship with God, but ensures us a place in heaven and in God's family. That should not be in dispute. That is not controversial. This is the good news of the gospel. It is repeated over and over again uh, through the Bible. And I've said, as I've said before, uh, I've told, uh, I, and I've told you this, that we could probably take any passage in the Bible and teach the gospel. That's what I've been told. Um, and and I have come to believe that that is probably true. I haven't tested it on obviously every passage in the Bible, um, you know, but uh, that's something that I, I've kind of often quoted. It all points to Jesus and to him being our way to heaven. So is that enough? Well, no, because otherwise I wouldn't say that this is a controversial topic. Let me go on. Previously, I have told, uh, pointed to us to this one memory verse of mine, and this is the reason why I have put it the NIV version. Uh, in fact, I think uh, this is slightly different from the version I've remembered, um, just because it's uses servant instead of man. Um, but anyway, this is uh, the NIV version. This is the one that I've mem memorized. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is the one I've uh, memorized. We normally use the ESV, but that's, this is the memory verse I had from, from university. That is 2 Timothy 3.16. So, uh, this has many parts to it. And this is something I've talked before on, and I'm going to talk again on it because I think this is key to what we are going to be talking about today. So, but I'm going to summarize them fairly briefly because I have talked about it before. Uh, but if you have any questions, do come back to me on this. Uh, firstly, we see here that everything in scripture is useful. The ESV talks about, uh, or, yeah, uses the word, all scripture is God inspired. All of scripture is inspired God. All those tedious measurements in the, you know, of the temple that I preached on a, a few weeks ago, the obscure mosaic laws, the lists of genealogies, all of those are God-inspired and useful. They are placed by God in the Bible to teach us about God's character, about God's purity, and how to live our lives. We also know that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind the disciples of everyone, uh, everything he said. I haven't got this. I should have put this on the PowerPoint. Um, John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is who the father send, uh, will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
Let me read that again. John 14, uh, 26 says, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That is specifically to the disciples, but that has a knock-on effect to, me, to us. Therefore, the Gospels are also God-inspired because the Holy Spirit is working in the disciples to bring them in remembrance of everything that Jesus has said. So that specifically in the context of it's written is saying that the disciples writing is God inspired. So therefore the writings of Peter and John, and even then to the letters of Peter and John, everything that they wrote, that disciples wrote is inspired. And you might, you might say, well, the gospels weren't written by the disciples, but we also see that Paul regularly quotes from Luke as if Luke's gospel is scripture. So there is that context that that is scripture. Peter also uh, calls uh, Paul's writing scripture in 2, 2 Peter 3, 15 to 17. We can see here, uh, amusingly, that Paul talks uh, says that uh, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. We see that nowadays. We see people twisting the Bible, the, the words of the Bible, to their own destruction or to try and drum up controversies or uh, reveal various mysteries or say that there's some kind of secret in the Bible. The Bible is very, very plain and simple. There is a very simple gospel message that I've, uh, yeah, I've said repeated uh, is repeated again and again. Um, and obviously to, to talk about contradictions, people constantly try and bring up contradictions in the Bible or, or talk about you know, some lies that the Bible says. We do have to take it in context. But here we see Peter is saying uh, that Paul's writing yeah, as they do other scriptures. So Paul is talking about the Bible. Uh, sorry, Paul's. Uh, so Peter is talking about Paul's writing as scripture. I could go on length about this, and we could. Uh, I could uh, yeah, talk about more information than just this. Um, but we have fairly much established here uh, that the Bible as a document. Uh, the document we have today supports within itself that all of it is scripture, the New Testament and the Old. If you want to read up more about this, there is a lot of history. There is a lot of church history. There is a lot of Bible history to back up why these specific books were, uh, were chosen and others were left out. And why by about the end of the first century, we would have had something uh, uh, resembling the Bible that we have now. Okay, but if you have any doubts or if you want to uh, ask, do do some research or do ask, and we can, uh, and I would encourage people who will have any doubts to seek out those, uh, that information, because there's plenty to back up why these specific books were chosen as, uh, as canon, as, as scripture. But back to 2 Timothy 3.16. We also establish, as you can see here, 
that the scriptures should be used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Now, that's interesting. It's not just teaching. It's rebuking, correcting, which is what an encouragement to do some rebuking and correcting, uh, which, I mean, uh, Christians have a, a kind of um, this terrible um, reputation for being holier than thou and busybodies and uh, correcting and rebuking and, and not very nice. Uh, remember, obviously, that the Bible and the New Testament, and in fact, all of the Bible, encourage us to love and be gentle, just as Jesus was gentle in many aspects. We see that his dealings with the, the Pharisees and obviously kind of the, the money changes in the temple was less than gentle. Uh, but in his dealings with sinners, he was gentle and loving. Um, and so rebuking and correcting we should be doing in love and gentleness, uh, but we should be doing it. Uh, so this is Paul speaking to Timothy, um, a young pastor setting up a church, and so laying out the system for disciple and leadership in that church. So yes, it's sp speaking specifically to pastors and church leaders, uh, church elders, but also as a knock-on effect to how the church treats one another. We should be teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training one another in righteousness and using the scripture. Therefore, a church that is not using the Bible to uh, teach its congregation uh, and the correct handling of the word, uh, should, if the correct handling of the church sorry, of the word is not encouraged, then that, then that church is in danger of not teaching righteousness. Do you see that? So if the church is not using the Bible to teach its congregation, if they are not teaching correct handling of the word, then they are in danger of not teaching righteousness. And it's not just kind of opening the Bible. It is correct handling of the word understanding the word, interpreting the word, praying with the word and everything that goes along with that. And this is why we have Bible studies and see that it's so important. This is why I will encourage you to quiet times, your own study, your own reflection. And obviously, kind of apart from these core values, I very rarely will do anything thematic. I did one on, on Valentine's Day, but even that was expository. Uh, and at Christmas sometimes, but generally those are still expository in terms of opening up the Bible and saying, I don't want to impose what I think, but uh, let's see what the Bible says. Uh, my final point about the, these verses is that it thoroughly equips the servant of God for every good work. And this is the uh, most important thing for, for today. This means that the Bible is exhaustive. Exhaustive means that we need nothing else. So every good work is covered in the Bible. And I hope that you see, you've seen that as we follow the sermon series in uh, series in IBCBI, that we are working our way through the entire Bible. Uh, even some of the most obscure passages, the, the minor prophets, the Old Testament sections, these uh, are worth reading through to make sure that we are thoroughly equipped 
And if there is ever a topic that you think that we are not covering, then please contact me and say, can we please speak about this? I remember that it was, it was I think, last year. Yeah, I think it was last year uh, that Mark asked me to, to cover something specific. Uh, he sent me a clip of a pastor saying something that uh, he thought was blasphemous. Uh, and I agreed and I took a sermon to, to speak about that. And it caused a bit of upset. Uh, but I thought that, that was worth uh, speaking about. Um, so if you think there is a topic that we don't cover, that we haven't covered, then please do, uh, do contact me and, and maybe I will take a, yeah, a sermon to, to speak about it. Now, have I made the point of this core value about, uh, let's go back, uh, this core value this is where I've stopped in previous years. This is where I've stopped in previous sermons. And I have to apologize that I've not gone far enough. We have established that the Bible has authority to teach us. And it is capable of teaching everything we need in our service to God. But the thing I've failed to establish is that it should be our sole authority. Now, please don't misunderstand me or mishear me. I do believe that the Bible is our sole source. Uh, I do not believe. Yeah, let me say that. I do not believe that the Bible is our sole source of inspiration and learning. And this idea of sola scriptura has, uh, is controversial because some have interpreted to mean that the scriptures should be our only source of inspiration. Our only kind of thing, the only thing that we should be teaching us. This is not what I believe, and I do not believe that the Bible uh, bears this out. Um, we can learn much from one another, even from uh, looking at other religions and uh, and other uh, and non-Christians. We can learn much. Because God created us and God instilled in us a uh, kind of made us in his image. We can learn much from our relationships. We can learn much from observing the world. We can learn much from prayer and even divine inspiration. Regardless of whether it comes through friends or speaking to us, our magnificent minds working things out. As a teacher, especially of mathematics, I believe that we should use our mind to work things out. Or something supernatural like visions or spiritual guidance. I myself have what I have had, what I consider visions. Now, whether that is something where God is coming down and saying, I'm going to you know, show you this. Or it is my brain working over over time. I don't know because it could be. And, and, you know, as a mathematician, I kind of sometimes look at a problem and I go away and then I suddenly come up with a solution even when I'm kind of sleeping or when I'm reading something else or I'm making my cup of tea. Uh, I will come up with inspiration. That's, and that could be my, you know, you could interpret it as my brain working over time on something that is kind of that I'm now not concentrating on, or you could consider it as divine inspiration, God wanting me to solve that math problem. But um, wh whichever it is, 
it's still inspired by God because God created this magnificent mind of mine and ours. So I think that we can learn much from outside the Bible. And I have also learned much from friends and mentors and also strangers and the world around us. Just looking at creation, the Bible is clear in Romans 1 that the creation is evidence enough for God. For a creator God. And I've known that there are people who have been converted and come to Christianity through looking at creation alone, that they have considered, you know, uh, come to the conclusion that there is a single creator God who interacts with us. And so I do not believe that our sole teaching kind of source is the Bible. What I am saying is that none of these are authoritative. None of these other sources are authoritative. And this is something, uh, not something that I expect uh, young Christians, new Christians to immediately follow me on. It's taken me many years to get to this place. It took me many years to get to that place. And much learning about life and God working through my life and in studying the Bible. So I would encourage you to continue to do that and work this out for yourself. For me, the evidence of this, uh, these passages, this passage is in, uh, especially, but the passages I've covered already, is enough to say that the scriptures are authoritative. That they are the sole authority. I have an issue with liberal Christians, and, and you know, this, I, I used to get more angry about this than I do now, uh, until I realized that this was me when I was young. But certainly I have, still have an issue with Christ, liberal Christians who pick and choose what they want from the, li uh, the Bible. I came to a conclusion fairly early on that that just doesn't work within itself and this idea of God. Whilst I, we do have to remember that the books and the advice in the Bible are contextual. That means that we can't always take direct meaning into modern society. 2 Timothy is clear that all is useful. And Hebrews 13 tells us that Jesus is the same to yesterday, today and forever. You don't need to look up that. But it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. That means that God is constant. If God is constant, then his character, his word, and his very being, and the way that he relates to us is constant. If we doubt that, despite being 2,000 years, uh, years old, God can deliver and preserve his words and directly speak into our world today, then your idea of God is a lot smaller than my idea of God. And the Bible's idea of God, the last one being most important. Let me say that again. If you doubt that God can deliver uh, his uh, and preserve his words to directly speak into the world today, then you are doubting the power of God and your idea of God is smaller than the Bible's idea of God. To pick and choose what we want from the Bible you are in danger, in fact, you are treading on very dangerous ground of creating your own God 
to believe in a God made uh, from not from God's image, not from the image uh, pr uh, presented in the Bible, but in your own image. So if you are saying that I know better than the Bible, you are making a God in your own image. Now that, again, let, don't misunderstand me. That is not to say that we shouldn't question what the Bible says, to have intelligent and inquiring minds. Anyone who's been in my Bible study will know that I'm constantly asking the questions. Does it really say that? Is it, is it contradictory to this passage? Why can't it be saying this? Here's a controversy that this passage is saying. Why can't it say this? Or what is it actually saying? Does the, does the author actually mean this? Here's something controversial. Let's try looking at this. I don't believe, I believe that we should be looking into those things and digging into those things and using our intelligent inquiring minds to be searching those out and try, trying to figure those out. But if we believe in a creator God who, you know, who created the complexity of creation, of our amazing human bodies and the bodies of kind of every living creature, the, the laws of physics and of the universe, of Newtonian physics and quantum physics, and how those two are the same that we don't know about and we don't understand yet, and of all of the universe, then we need to show a bit of humility when handling the word and realize that God is faithful and that he will deliver the message that we need to hear in this day, in this modern day, and the Bible is not flawed. Uh, I haven't got the passage that I wanted. Uh, let's, uh, I'll just refer to it. 1 John encourages us to test, uh, sorry, 1 John 4 encourages us to test the spirits because there are many false prophets. In that I believe that we can, uh, we are called to compare anything we learn, anything that we are taught to what the Bible teaches. So he is talking about, one John 4 talking, is talking about testing spirits. And yes, we're looking, he's uh, in that context, it's talking about supernatural spirits, but also he's talking about false prophets. So false teaching. So we are encouraged to test them and how can we test them except by jesus's words which we find in the bible if the bible is authoritative and able to equip us for every good work if we are taught uh, what taught does not tally what we're taught by others outside the bible does not tally with the teaching of the bible then it must be seen as false let me say that again. If what we are taught, if what we learn outside the Bible from people, from teachers, from pastors, from, uh, from obse observing the world around us, if that does not tally with the teachings of the Bible, then it must be false. Now, that, that can be difficult because there are so many people who will say, well, the Bible teaches us this, but science teaches this or society teaches this or kind of if you believe in this, then you are prejudiced, that you are racist, that you are sexist, that you are 
you know, you know uh, etc. And so we have to realize, uh, kind of, and go back to the Bible and realize that that is authoritative. That is where we get, uh, that is where uh, we have to submit in humility and realize yeah, that uh, this other teaching is wrong. Finally, um, we have uh, one Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3, tells us that Jesus is God's final word. So let me read this out. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of his, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty uh, on high. You see, God spoke through his prophets in the old days. Those were the authority, the authoritative word, were the words of God. But then finally, through Jesus, and we have Jesus' word here in the Bible. These last days are referring to nowadays. The, uh, they're, they're referring for many times in the New Testament. We are living in the last days. It is the time when we, uh, when, uh, between when Jesus died and when he will come again. And we're still waiting for that second coming. So we're living in these last days. So as this passage says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then do you see he has sat down, Jesus sat down. That means his work is done. So this is Jesus, uh, this is God's final word. And the, the New Testament, we, we studied Colossians last year, uh, warns us against looking elsewhere and false teachers uh, and saying that you need something more than the Bible. You need something more, uh, you know, gospel plus, it's often called in evangelical circles. So I'm going to summarize. Firstly, the Bible has the authority to teach us. All of it is God-inspired and the revealed truth about God, his character and his plan to bring us to eternity. The Bible is exhaustive. We have everything we need to serve God in it. And finally, and this is the, uh, the point of today, the Bible is our sole authority. It trumps everything else. If anything disagrees with the Bible, it is false. And as I said, I don't expect people to straight, you know, Christians who are new Christians to straight away jump to that. But I would encourage those who, uh, who trust my teaching, who trust the Bible, who have uh, listened to today's sermon to, uh, to take that. And hopefully they will get to that point. The Bible is the sole authority. It trumps everything else. And if anything disagrees with it, it is false. And that requires a, a lot of humility 
putting the Bible before our own uh, wisdom and before society's wisdom. And history bears that out. That, uh, but uh, that's something to talk about another time. Let me close this in prayer. Father, let us uh, bow the knee to uh, your word, your authority, your, the words of your son and the words that have been preserved for us. We pray that your Holy Spirit is, is continuing to work in us to reveal all truth to us. That we can uh, desire to read your word, to learn more, to open up your word, to share it with others. Lord, we, we pray that we can have that desire. Give us a burning passion for that. In Jesus' name, amen.